Oh God, our Father, we ask that as we look together at your word tonight, aware of your kindness to us, your, your help for us, we ask that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will through all the wisdom and understanding that your spirit, who caused these words to be written, gives to us. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, here's a picture on the screen for you. Isn't this sad? Uh, I, I'm sure, like lots of people, we have been shocked and stunned you know, when we heard the news uh, that the tree at Sycamore Gap had been felled. Uh, but did you know, did you know, there's still hope, folks. There's still hope, all right? Uh, I know that sounds absolutely ridiculous to most of us who, since we were kind of knee-high to a grasshopper, have been drawing pictures of trees. Um, and so we know that a tree is a stick with a green pom-pom on the top. That's a tree, isn't it? But if you were to ask a tree, a tree would probably tell you that it lives underground. Because trees think roots are everything. It's all about the roots. What's underground is the tree. What's above ground is it's just the solar panels. So you can take a chainsaw to most trees and chop it right down to a stump. Incidentally, that is not a confession. I, I did not do this. It wasn't me. But if you do that, the tree isn't dead. And if you coppice, which is a word that many of us didn't know three days ago, but have been reading time and again over the last few days. Uh, if you coppice a tree like the one at Sycamore Gap, new growth emerges and you can get a tree that lives longer and actually is healthier than if you've left it alone. Granted, it takes a little while for that to happen. But it's because, why is it because? Because roots are everything. Uh, now, I mention that not just because it's current, it's topical, it's in the news, but because if you go through the Bible to try to figure out how to be the best human being you could possibly be, how to, to, to grow uh, as a human being, what you come across time and time again is imagery of seeds and plants and vines and trees to represent how God wants us to grow. In our lives, we, we tend to focus just on what we can see, don't we? The leaves and the fruit, the success and the failure of our daily living, uh, the, the, the lovingness or the, or the meanness of our actions, uh, to kind of, um, yeah, you know, the stuff that's <laughs> above ground, if you like, out there in the open, which everybody else can see. Whereas the Bible talks about the soil that you are planted in and the roots that you put down as being the keys, the absolute key for growth. I mean, look back at Colossians 2, verses 6 to 7, which I suspect most of you are doing already to see where I'm going with this. But this is absolutely the heart of the letter of the Colossians. As the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving so start with Jesus, receive him as saviour and lord uh, continue with Jesus like a tree rooted 
or like a tall construction project built up in him. That's where the strength, that's where the growth comes from. And then the thankfulness will flow out like leaves and branches and flowers like fruit on a tree. But growth is all about roots in the tree, roots in the soil. So let's start firstly uh, by looking at the soil and reminding ourselves of what we've seen in Colossians so far, which is that Christ is all. As in chapter 1, Paul just waxes lyrical about Jesus. And, uh, and, and as he does so, time and time again, uh, the word all comes up. Again, again, again. <laughs> the word all is there. He's the firstborn over all creation, verse 15. All things were created by him and through him and for him, verse 16. He's before all things, verse 17. And it's him that is actually holding all things together. He's the glue. Verse 18 and 20, he reconciles all. He's head over all. Verse 19, all of God's fullness lives in him. He's Lord of all, and he gave his all for us. But maybe as we read that list there, uh, we think, oh, well, that's nice for you. Well done, Jesus. That's, that's great. You're Lord of all. But this isn't Jesus' CV. It's not a list of Jesus' accomplishments. No, in tree language, if we're thinking about growth, in Colossians 2, verse 7, we need to realize that Jesus is the soil where we are to be rooted and built up in him. So before we go any further, please can we expand our view of Jesus back up to realistic proportions. Sometimes we get too full of ourselves, don't we? Or people around us get too full of themselves and we, we talk about them having to kind of be brought back down to size. But with Jesus, any limit is unrealistic. Any part of heaven and earth that we think isn't for him and by him and kept going by him, that's a total disconnect with the reality of things. Because Jesus is Lord of all. And God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell, live in him. And so therefore, secondly, in Christ we have everything. Christ is all. So if we have Christ, if we've turned to Christ, we've trusted him as Savior and Lord, we have everything. Everything we need for life and godliness. We've been brought into his fullness. Put our roots into Jesus and we have Colossians 2 verse 2. All the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All treasure is in Christ. So the question is, is there anything that you think Jesus doesn't know? Or anything about this modern world that surprises him or diminishes him or could prevent him doing anything he wants? Is there anything that you think that Jesus doesn't have or couldn't give you or can't do for you? Christ is all. So if we have Christ, we have everything that we could need. So thirdly, what do we do? 
What do we do with this? Well, thirdly, stay rooted in Christ. Be like a tree. Check out verse 6 again. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. If you were to walk into the church uh, kitchen just through the door here after the, church, after the service uh, tonight, and you were to hear me in conversation with someone, and I, I said, therefore, it was at this point I concluded I had no other option but to smack them over the head with a frying pan. You'd probably be thinking, oh my goodness, what did I miss? You know, what was it that made Ken jump to this terrible conclusion? You'd probably also be thinking, this guy's supposed to be the minister. <laughs> the guy's a thug. Get him out of here. But when we read that therefore of Colossians 2, verse 6, we should respond with the first of those two reactions. What have we missed? How has Paul come to this conclusion? How did the Colossian Christians receive Christ Jesus? Well, here's how they received him. They received him as Lord. <laughs> they, they took what we've seen in chapter one at absolute face value and they believe that Jesus is Lord of everything. Lord of creation and Lord of salvation. The only one who can put us in a right relationship with God and give us a hope for the future. You see, these verses are absolutely essential in helping us understand where the Christian life begins. It begins when someone receives Jesus as Lord. So I became a Christian when I bowed the knee and I said to Jesus, Jesus, I give you control, complete control of my life. And you become a Christian when you bow your knee and say, Jesus, you are the boss of me because you know better than me how to run my life, how to make the most of it. I think many of the problems that we have with nourishment and growth in the Christian life goes back to this issue. So many Christians imagine that, that the lordship of Christ is it's a secondary experience that we gradually negotiate into place after we've received Jesus as our savior. Where we bit by bit, as and when we feel like it, allow him to be lord over certain areas of our lives. No, no, says Paul, from the start of my Christian life, the Savior Jesus is to be the Lord. And I can't know Jesus as Savior if I will not acknowledge him as Lord. I remember a lad coming along to an inquirers group that myself and a friend ran uh, when I worked with students, and, and they balked at the idea of, of Jesus being their Lord as well as their Savior. With a fair degree of incredulity in his voice, he said, seriously, you, can't, you, you, you cannot be telling me that to become a Christian, I need to stop sleeping with my girlfriend and stop getting drunk. To which we said, well, you could marry your girlfriend, but essentially, yes, there will be some big lifestyle changes ahead but it will be so, so worth it. And to be honest, as he left that night, I really didn't think that we'd ever see him again. <laughs> but he finished the course and came to Christ. And within the next few years, he made an absolute mockery of my lack of faith as he became one of the most wholehearted and happy Christians I knew. Why did he grow so well? 
Why did he go on so strongly? Well, it's because he got the foundations right from the start. He put down his roots in Jesus right there and then. So many Christians run out of steam or get themselves into a mess because we forget who Jesus is. And we never grew up in him. So what about you? Have you received Jesus as Lord? Not only of your salvation, but Lord of everything. Lord of your money. Lord of your time. Lord of your future plans. Is that something you're just doing in your head, on your own? Or is that something you're giving over to him, saying, Lord, guide me. By your spirit, lead me. So that your will will be done. Your kingdom will come. Lord of your mouth. And what comes out of it? Lord, at the office as well as at home, and vice versa. Or should I add into that school as well? Lord, of your relationships, marriages, children. Lord, of their education and their upbringing. I could go on and on, couldn't I? But let me ask again. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? There's no one else worthy of it. So I hope he is. For Paul is quite clear here. If we aren't trying to bow the knee to Jesus and are constantly resisting his lordship in certain areas of our lives, then true faith and freedom and fullness cannot be ours. We receive him as Lord of all, or not at all. So let me encourage you to bow the knee and receive Christ Jesus as Lord this evening. Hope you've kept up with me so far. Christ is all. So if we have Christ, then we have everything. So therefore, get your roots down into Jesus. And once you've done that, the only way to go on, the only way to grow is to walk in him. Colossians 2, verse 7. Walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught. We can't move on from this basic teaching that Jesus is Lord. Christ is the only Lord who can nourish us and and keep our relationship with God healthy. So, So we have to keep coming back to his words to feed us. I wonder, do you want to grow? If you're a Christian here tonight, have you got a plan for how you're going to try and grow this winter. Well, trees don't mess around, do they? When it comes to their growth, when it comes to getting their roots right down in the soil and across the soil, they'll they'll rip up pavements and water mains and electricity pylons and whatever else. They'll, They'll just go, I don't know what all this stuff is for, but it's getting in the way of my growth, so I'm smashing through. I need my roots to be deeper and broader and bigger. Did you know tree roots go down up to two to three times further than the green pom-pom on top that we think is a tree? And all they have to get excited about is soil. <laughs> well, we have, we have Christ, who is better by far, and he's freely available. 
is in the words that Paul is preaching here. He's in the witnesses, witness of the apostles, like Paul and others, and, and in the pages of Scripture. And anything else that we feed on that is not Jesus is the starvation diet. I had an African brother speak a while back about how fast the church was growing in his country. And uh, the person who was interviewing him said, you know, okay, well, you know, what, what, what's your secret? This is exciting. What's your secret? And he said, we just read the Bible and we pray. I mean, in some parts of our nation, the Bible's all we've got in terms of to read. And, and we just get into that. And as we do, we just fall more and more in love with Jesus. And he, he said, he actually went further than that, actually. He said, he compared the growth of the church in his home nation with churches in Britain, which he'd been a part of for a while, churches like ours. And he named the authors of many of, well, mine and maybe our favorite Christian books and suggested that actually many of us read those books more than we read the Bible. So actually what we're reading isn't so much Jesus' words as other people's thoughts about them. I find that so challenging because I love to read. Many of you know I love to read good Christian books. And there's so many good ones around. We have so many fantastic resources. What a privilege we have in this country. But a good Christian book should make us want to read the Bible more, not the author more. Because the Bible really is where to find Christ, and Christ is enough. If you decided to spend this year putting down roots into Christ and into the Bible, you would find everything good and full and mature and powerful waiting there for you. And if a good Christian book can sometimes replace actual Bible reading, then how much more our phones? I've been thinking this week about my phone. Uh, as I sat down, actually, to read my Bible and pray, I thought about this. Uh, my phone can really help me read the Bible. I mean, on it, there's, it gives me access to Bible audio tools and uh, Bible reading plans and, um, and devotional podcasts. I think Paul would be amazed of <laughs> what we have access to on this little device. But my phone also stops me reading the Bible so much. I think Paul would be amazed that I sometimes are foolish enough to sit down in the chair to read my Bible with a device that constantly shouts out at me through all of the messages on WhatsApp and Teams and text messaging, funny cat videos on YouTube, um, and uh, the distraction of the news, not least the sports news that just constantly tries to blindside me. And I think Paul would say, how much do you really want to grow? that you are taking all of that with you to the chair when you say you want to read your Bible. Well, I would love us to fight the insecurity that Paul is fighting here in this book, to fight the insecurity that says, ah, oh, there must be something deeper, richer, more powerful, better, somewhere else than just me and Jesus in the Bible. And reading it with my Christian brothers and sisters. 
It sounds so small and so feeble doing that compared to the storms of life, compared to all of the, the attractions that we have around us. But if Christ is the everything soil, grow down into him, and that is the way to be rooted and to become strong. And the only way to grow up and all goodness and godliness. If you don't know where to start with that, can I just recommend reading Mark's gospel? Got some copies of it here. If you don't have a Bible, if you you do have a Bible, uh, make sure it's in an understandable uh, version. Sometimes it could be hard enough to understand the Bible without (laughs) making it tricky for yourself. Uh, But if you don't, you could just take away one of these little copies of of Mark's gospel um, with you tonight um, and just start reading a paragraph or two each day. Um, and in order to help you with that, uh, we've, I've put together a little um, bookmark um, to stick in your Bible or in your mark, copy of Mark's Gospel, uh, just with a little uh, outline to go through each time you sit down to, to read the Bible. That's on the, they're, they're on the black display racks um, through in the lobby and also at the back there if you want to grab them. And if you're feeling brave... This could be a wonderful conversation to have with a Christian friend. That may be straight away after the service or later on this week. Do you want to grow? Brother, sister, do you want to grow? I really want to grow. Can, can you help me with that? Um, I love your advice. How do you think I should be aiming to grow this winter? Do I need to climb out of some shallow, shallow soils? Where I'm getting nothing but starvation. Can you see that in my life? Can you help me with that? Do I need to break through some pavements to to get my roots down into Jesus and not into Facebook or Snapchat? (laughs) If you see that in me, can you guide me, help me, challenge me on that? And then look what flows out of that at the end of verse 7. We will be abounding in thanksgiving. For as we bow the knee more and more make Jesus Lord of our money, then surprisingly, we find we don't miss out on loads of stuff. We actually get something way better, which is Jesus changing, transforming our character so that we become generous, become like him. Or as we let him be Lord over our time, we discover how true fulfillment comes from serving others, not getting for ourselves. Or you stop biting your lip on Jesus' lordship at work or at school. And you're amazed that he does have power and relevance in people's lives. You see things happening that didn't happen before. And you will find yourself overflowing with thanksgiving. You see, this thanksgiving, it's not the thankfulness of the award ceremony speech, you know, where you take hold of your Oscar and you go, I just want to thank my director and producer for uh, their incredible help. And uh, I really want to thank my co-stars. You guys were great. And, uh, and my mom, my mom just, you know, she was my inspiration. I'm a, I'm a milkman um, because I'm such a humble person. I want to thank my milkman as well. It, no, it's it's not, not that kind of, you thank these people because you have to, because it's a dumb thing. It's expected. No, this is the thankfulness that comes from walking with Jesus as Lord learning more and more about how awesome he is and understanding more and more what Jesus did for us on the cross and, and how his spirit is and how wonderful his generosity is in our daily lives. 
Those are things we find as we walk with him. And, and, and as we do, we find ourselves with so much to give Jesus thanks for that, we, that it overflows from us like a river bursting its banks. Sure, you, you have to make an effort sometimes to look out for things to give thanks for. The Bible tells us to do that, especially when you're going through a testing time. And it's also so easy to slip into negativity in a culture that prefers to tear down rather than build up. But thankfulness is a sign of people who have fully realized the riches that they have in Christ. So one last question before I finished. Is thankfulness a mark of your life? If it isn't, then can I just say it's a sign that perhaps you're being up rooted, you've taken your eyes off Jesus, and that you're slipping away from him. So, so therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. John Reed's going to come and Lead us in a few prayers for us now.